we want to take a look at Romans chapter 14 as we begin tonight. Romans chapter 14. Uh, Paul is writing to the Christian Jews in Rome. Primarily the first people to be born again to be saved were the Jewish people. And after all, it started in Jerusalem and that's where the Jewish people lived. And from there it spread. But in Rome there was a large number of Jewish people who had been converted to Christianity and Paul is writing to them in the book of Romans. And so he starts in chapter 14, or we'll start in chapter 14 tonight. In verse 13, he says to them and to us, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Not that we do that today. This is just primarily written to the people of that day, right? I mean, we don't, we don't judge people anymore. We don't look at people and say, you know, anything about them. But, but they did then. And so just kind of, we'll get into what we do today. But uh, therefore... Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, instead of passing judgment on one another, he says, here's what we do. Make up your own mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Sometimes uh, parents will tell their children. Sometimes people in families will tell family members. You need to make up your mind what you're going to do. You ever heard that term or used that term on children or family members or something like that? You just need to make up your mind what you're going to do because there's a discussion going on about something, whatever it is, that issue at the moment, and somebody finally says those words. You just need to make up your mind what you're going to do. And so God is saying that to them, and Paul's saying that to them and us, and he says we need to make up our mind. We're either going to pass judgment on other people or we're going to look at our own selves. We're going to look at our own lives. And he says we need to look at our own lives and say, Am I putting a stum- am I a stumbling block to other people trying to get to Jesus? Like she was talking about the man at work there a while ago. This person might not have been a stumbling block, but was he promoting Jesus in the workplace through his life? And so we have to look at our own life. Maybe sometimes we're causing other people to stumble trying to get trying to get to Jesus. Sometimes we may even be an obstacle of people getting to Jesus and growing in Christ and becoming more mature in Christ and becoming more like Jesus simply because they're looking at our life and say, well, you want to pass judgment on me, look at you and what you're doing. So he said, we need to make up our mind. We're not going to put a stumbling block or be an obstacle in our brother's way. We're talking about other Christians here, you see. We can do it with lost people, but in particular tonight, as he looks at this, as we look at this through Paul, we're going to see we can do it with other Christians too. So as a Christian, he says, here's what we need to do. We're not to judge other Christians for their convictions, for what they think, they believe, how they are looking at the Bible and saying, and we've read that same verse and we say, how would you get that out of that verse? That is so ignorant, that is so stupid. How would you come to that conclusion, reading that verse right there, whatever that verse is, wherever that may be in the Bible, and you drove that conclusion out of that? I can't believe you did that. And so we talk about them, we put them down, whatever we say. We don't need to judge other people for their convictions about God's Word. We're to evaluate the impact our convictions have on other Christians. The other person, okay, maybe they got it wrong. But how are we going to treat them? Are we going to be an obstacle to them? Are we going to be a stumbling block to them? Are we going to judge them for what they believe or don't believe about something they're reading in the Bible? Or are we going to let our convictions about God's Word impact them and other people in the world in which we live? Because if we've got it right and they've got it wrong which, of course, we always have it right, don't we, about God's Word, and other people always got it wrong if we're in a disagreement with them. 
But are we going to let our convictions have an impact on them and just show them the way to Jesus? So here's where we're going. As one who was, as one who is in the Lord Jesus, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean for that, then for him, it is unclean. You say, what are we talking about food? Are we getting some dirty food here? Did it drop on the floor and we're having to pick it up and wipe it off? What, what are we doing? Well, we need to go back just a little bit. I wanted to put this up here so we can see it. Uh, and I want, don't want to bore you with numbers and scriptures and, and animals and things like that, but I want to try to explain some things, make sure we understand what he's talking about in Romans chapter 14. So we have to go back to Leviticus chapter 11. He's talking about, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. In Leviticus chapter 11, God spoke to the people of Israel, the Jewish people, and He said, here's some food you can eat. Here's some food you cannot eat. This food is clean or holy or righteous for you to eat. This food is not. It's unclean. It's sinful for you to eat. And so he drew conclusions. God did in chapter 11 of Leviticus and said, here's what to eat and what not to eat. And so the first thing we're going to look at are the land animals there in chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 1. We won't read all of this, and, and if you want to go there and mark it and read all of it for yourself later. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, all of the nations that live on the land, these are the ones you may eat. Of all the animals that live on the land, these land animals, these first ones, here's the ones you may eat, the ones you can eat. You may eat any animal that has a split hoof, completely divided and choose the cud. So what they had to do was evaluate which animals are around us that has a split hoof and chooses cud. So he gives a few examples here. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof, but you must not eat them. Maybe we better understand, too, what does it mean to chew the cud? There are animals that regurgitate food back up out of their stomach and they chew on it. Main one I think about is the cow. Cows chew their cud, don't they? They the food goes in the stomach, they can regurgitate it back up, throw it up if you want to use that term, okay? And to get it in the mouth, they just chew it some more, chew it some more, swallow it, and, and they may do it more than once. And so he's saying what you want is to find animals that have a split hoof and they chew the cud. There's some that do chew the cud, don't have a split hoof, but don't eat them. The camel, he said, though it chews the cud. The camel, you've seen camels on TV or at a zoo or something. They had them everywhere around them. Hmm? That's right. Camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. So it's got the hoof. Okay, hey, we can get a camel. Split hoof. Wait, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It chews the cud. But... So he says no. The coney, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. Unclean. The rabbit, it chews the cud, but it does not have a split hoof. Unclean. The pig has split hoof, doesn't chew the cud. Does not chew the cud, it's unclean. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses so they're unclean. So here's some animals. Let's take the pig for a moment. Out of a pig, you're going to get meat like, I don't know, pork chops, pork loin, bacon, sausage, ribs, ham, cracklings, cheese, pig's feet, you know, all that sort of thing. What? All right, everything but the oink, you know. Yeah. So when we think about that kind of animal, uh, we're thinking about, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> They're thinking, we don't want to have anything to do with the pig. 
It may has, have a split hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud. God said it's unclean. We're not going to eat that. Well, then he goes on to talk about water animals. All, so, so any animal that has split hoof and chews the cud, they could eat. Now, the water animals has to have fins and scales. Of all the creatures living in the water, seas, streams, you may eat uh, that have fins and scales, but all creatures of the sea that, and the streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things, among all the living creatures of the water, you're to detest. And so we can figure out real quick, a lot of fish we catch around here, you know, a bass, a brim or something. But wait a minute, what about the catfish? No. Doesn't have any scales. Got some fins. Can't eat a catfish. How about a shrimp? No. How about an oyster? Crawfish? You know, there's a lot of things we could think of real quick. Off limits, don't eat it. And so he's mentioning those things. The birds, he goes on... Talk about the ver- birds in chapter 13. These are the birds you are to test, not eat, because they're detestable. Don't eat an eagle. Don't eat a vulture. Don't eat a black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite. Raven, horned owl, screech owl, gull, hawk, owl, comrade owl, owl. goes on and on. Uh, those are animals don't eat. Uh, insects, verse 20. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be detestable. Uh, there are, how are, however, some winged creatures that walk on all fours that you may eat. They have jointed legs and hopping on the ground. These you may eat. The locust, the katydid, cricket, and grasshoppers. They're clean. You get a cricket. You want to go get a cricket, eat it? Go right ahead, he said. Oh, feed it to, yeah, feed it to the fish. Eat the fish. There you go. Yeah, put it on the hook. There you go. I got you. Yeah. Grasshopper, go ahead and get you one. Eat it up. Uh, walking on paws, verse 27. Uh, of all the animals that walk on their all fours, those that walk on their paws are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be, un- be unclean. Dogs, cats, and bears all walk on paws. Don't eat them, he said. They're unclean. Ground animals, verse 29. Um, 29. Of all the animals that move about on the ground, these are unclean for you. Weasel. The rat, any kind of lizard, gecko, monitor lizard, uh, wall lizard, skank, chameleon, those are animals walk on the ground. They're ground animals. And so don't eat that. So don't be eating rats. Eat grasshoppers and crickets, but don't, don't eat the rats. So he's saying here's some clean animals, unclean. So these were, ever since Leviticus, ever since the law came into existence through Moses there at Mount Sinai, throughout the history of Israel, this is what they knew. This is what they learned. This is what they grew up with. This is the way it was mom and daddy, grandpa and grandma, and all history all the way back to here. And now these people are getting saved, coming out of Judaism, being saved. And so Paul is addressing that very fact here in chapter 14 of Romans. He says, one who is the Lord Jesus, I'm fully convinced that no foods are unclean in itself. Jesus had promoted all foods are clean. Peter had promoted all foods are clean. God had revealed to them, you know, all foods are clean. Go ahead and eat, you know, whatever you were classified as unclean in Leviticus 11. Opened the door and said, you can eat all these animals. But wait a minute. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. We sang a song about that a moment ago, I think about letting people know that you're a Christian by your love. And so he said, if you're eating shrimp and oysters and bacon and ham and those kind of things that were off limits here, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're not actually in love. 
do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. So we're talking about another Christian here, you see, because you're a mature Christian. You've read God's Word. You understand God's Word. You know what God said about being clean animals. Jesus made it clear. Peter made it clear that we can eat all foods. That doesn't what make, that's not what makes us unclean. What comes out of us makes us unclean. And so now we've understood that, but there's a Christian friend that we have. They're not here yet. I mean, they're still here. They're still locked into this and saying, wait, hold on. And so they're coming to our house to eat. And we're laying out there the ham. And we got some pork chops. And we got some shrimp. And they're thinking, hold on. This isn't right. This is hurting my testimony. I can't eat that food. And we're saying, yes, you can. Jesus made it all clean. Peter talks about it being all clean. You can eat anything I've got on the table here. No, I can't. And so we're thinking, we're judging them then by saying, hold on, what, what's your problem? I prepared all this food. It's good food. We eat it all the time. What's wrong with you? You know, we want to begin to judge them then. And we just became that stumbling block. We just became that obstacle in their way because we're okay with this and they're not. And so... If your brother becomes stressed over what you eat, you're no longer acting love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. We've considered good that God said that we can eat all these animals. Uh, Jesus said it. Tim, uh, Peter said it. New Testament says it. We're going to eat it. We can. But don't let our freedom to eat this be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. Peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by others, approved by men. And so we can't say, make it a matter of, it's about what I think about this food, what I know about this food, what God says about this food. I don't care what you think. You come to my house, you're going to eat this, or you're going to do without. Okay, I'll do without and I'll go home. Because we just judged them and now their feelings are hurt. We became a stumbling block. And so he said, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> Don't let what you know about God's word of eating and drinking, but know about righteousness. Know about peace. Know about joy in the Holy Spirit. See, in Christian love, we should give up our freedom in Christ to avoid being a spiritual hindrance, stumbling block to our Christian brothers and sisters. We may know and understand we've read God's word very clearly and we get it that God made all foods clean. We can eat whatever it is we want to eat as far as pork or bacon or whatever we're thinking about. But if we're going to be a hindrance or a stumbling block to somebody else, we need to put it away. Because see, he's saying there, food or any other matter is not that important an issue. He's saying for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. The whole realm of Christianity is bigger than food and drink. It's about joy. It's about peace. It's about righteousness. And so he says, don't make it that important of an issue. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the goal of Christianity, not what I can eat and what I can't eat, and judge you in the process. So a Christian who serves Christ in this way of love is pleasing to God and approved by others. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by other men. And so he goes on then in verse 19, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Let's just do what's going to bring peace. This whole thing about tonight with the message with Romans 14, what's going to lead to peace? 
is me saying all this food is clean, don't worry about it, go ahead and eat it. And they're saying, I hadn't got there yet, I'm not there yet, I, I, I can't do that yet. We need to do whatever we need to do that's going to bring peace and mutual edification. Well, what does it mean, mutual edification? What is that? It means actions that build up and strengthen someone to promote their growth in Christian wisdom and holiness. Whatever it is we can do to promote their spiritual growth and bring holiness to the whole group, whoever we're with, that's mutual edification. So it says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace, leads to that lack of chaos, lack of war, disharmony. We want to feel safe in this relationship. We need to do that plus the mutual edification. We want to be building people up, promoting their growth, not tearing them down. So he said, don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Don't make something like this so, so important that it's going to destroy the work of God. If God's trying to do a work in somebody's life and we're going to get all, you know, make food a, a major issue there, he says, don't do that for sake of food. For all food is clean. But it's wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. And so Paul says it himself right there, doesn't he? All food is clean. Peter said it. Jesus said it. All food is clean. These don't apply to us anymore. But if somebody's going to say, that causes me to stumble. That causes, that's getting in my way of me trying to understand Jesus. Then we're wrong for promoting it and putting it out there. It's wrong for man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. So in our Christian liberty, we have the liberty to eat this. We've understood God's word, what God wants to do. But if our Christian liberty causes another Christian to stumble, then we need to surrender our rights so we can build up others. Just like we were talking about this morning, sometimes we get that phrase in our life, well, I've got my rights. You know, I have a right to feel this way. I have a right to act that way. I have a right to make this decision. I have a right to go there. You know, and all those kind of things, we have our rights, have our rights. But in Christianity, we don't. We don't have our rights. Because see, we're a slave. We've been bought by Jesus Christ. He's our master. We're a slave. We belong to Him. And so we don't have any rights. We don't have a right to say, well, here's what I think. Here's what I feel. Here's where I'm going to go. Here's what I'm going to eat. You can't stop me. You don't like it? I don't care. We don't have that right. If it's going to cause somebody to stumble, be hindrance to their growth in Christ, he says, don't eat it. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. If my actions, my attitudes, my behavior, my ways, my language, my whatever is going to be a stumbling block to somebody out there in front of me, just don't do it. Because we want to back up and say, hold on now. I've got a right to do what I want to do. I've got a right. You know, God gave me that right to do whatever. And he says, no, if it's going to cause that brother to fall, we don't do it. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God, he says. Whatever we believe about all this, you know, all foods are clean. We can eat those grasshoppers and oysters and shrimp and uh, pig and bacon and all that sort of thing. You know, we can do that. But we keep that between ourselves and God. If we're around somebody that says, no, mm -mm, can't do it, can't do it. We keep that between ourselves and God. We don't make an issue out of it. We don't blow it all out of proportion and make it bigger than the whole realm of Christianity. Because blesses the man who does not condemn, 
himself by what he approves. If we say, I approve of all this, and if you don't, we got a problem, then I just condemn myself because of that attitude. But the man who doubts, the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Years ago, at another church in another place, there was a lady that we would pick up and bring to church with us. And she was married, and so we'd go by her house, pick her up. She couldn't drive. And so the husband, you know, he didn't care about God, church, Jesus, or anything else. But she did, and so she came to church. Well, every now and then, he would call us up. He'd call me up and say, there's a man that came by, called his name, and he brought me a bunch of catfish. I don't eat catfish. You want them? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'd go back and get the catfish, and he'd hand them over, and we'd always have a conversation. And it always talk about the Bible. And it always go back through Scripture somewhere in, in the Old Testament usually. And he'd quote Scriptures. I'd have to go home and look up. That's really in the Bible? You know, I'm thinking, I don't know that Scripture. It's just, you know, foreign to me, vague to me. You know, it's not something I read all the time. And I'd go home and look it up, and sure enough, there it was. And so he could quote all these Scriptures. He could go there and he could have a, a discussion about it and talk about it. And one of the things he loved more than anything when I came and got those catfish was this right here. He'd go to those Scriptures and he said, I can't eat it because it doesn't have uh, scales. It's catfish. I can't eat that. And my thought was, <laughs> you don't care anything about Jesus, God, church, Bible. You know, you know the Bible. You know a lot of Scriptures. But where's your attitude? Where's your actions? You know, where's your salvation? You know, we can't, I can't even talk to you about salvation because it just... You know, it goes haywire and blows up. And you want to talk about this? And so we could have got in some real heated discussions about it. But I said, no. That's where he is. That's where he is in his life. And so we're not going to start there with trying to get to Jesus. We're going to have to get to Jesus first, and then we can go here. But until he could understand about salvation, forgiveness, repentance, you know, all the things we know about, Jesus and salvation, what it's all about. It wasn't going to matter if we talked about this for hours. He was sold out. He was here. He was dead set. I'm not going to eat catfish. And sure enough, he didn't. So anytime he called and said, you want some catfish? Yeah, I'll come get it. At least it opened the door for me to go have a conversation, something about God's Word, something about God's ways. And um, that's as far as it ever got. We never got any further than that. But you know, when in doubt, don't. If we're not sure that we're going to hurt somebody by doing something, if we're not real sure how they're going to take it, you know, we've read God's Word. We understand that we have freedom in Christ to do something. We understand that God's Word approves of it. God's Word promotes it. God's okay with whatever it is we've got on our mind that we're going to do. But we're not sure about that other person, how they feel about this stuff and how they are going to take what we do or, or not do. And we're just not real sure, then, then don't. We're doubting what we're going to do in front of somebody else that they're not going to approve of. They're going to have a problem with it. They're going to be offended by it. We're going to be a stumbling block to them. Okay, I just won't do it. If you're offended by eating uh, pork loin, 
I won't put one on the grill and invite you to come eat it. You know, that's going to be offensive to you. So, oh, you're not? Okay. <laughs> you're not either. Okay. So, not too many of you probably are. So, <laughs> so, so maybe that we could do that uh, taste of Louisiana, but <laughs> there you go. But uh, if we have a doubt, then we just don't do it because we may offend somebody. We, we know enough about the situation that if we'd have called that couple that I'm talking about there to come over to the house, that we can make a presentation to him here at the house. He's in our house. We can really talk about Jesus. We'll get them both here, husband and wife. We'll make a presentation about Jesus, and we'll serve him up some catfish and show him how good those catfish can be when they're fried just right. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get him. You know, we'll get him in the kingdom. And he'd have walked in that house, sat down at that table, and say, Brother Bob, have something special for you tonight. I know you said you don't eat them, but here's some catfish. I know you're going to love them. We'd have been through. It'd have been over. It'd have been done. Wouldn't have had another conversation about anything. So when in doubt, just don't. 